man, I don't know what happened over this Clavenless weekend, but I turned on the TV and on CNN, there were all these women and gay men getting super emotional. Here's a sample. His name was Private Emmanuel Mensah, and he immigrated from Ghana, a country Donald Trump apparently thinks produces very subpar immigrants. I, I, I don't know why the president doesn't know that. I was there when a five-year-old boy named Manmi was rescued after being buried for more than seven days. Do you know what strength it takes to survive on rainwater buried under concrete? A five-year-old boy buried for seven days. Haitians slap your hand hard when they shake it. They look you in the eye. They don't blink. They stand tall and they have <laughs> dignity. It's a dignity many in this White House could learn from. Those comments are frankly disgusting. There's other language I'd like to use, but we are on television. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of my best friends are women and gay men. I'm even married to one of them. I'm guessing a woman. And if women and gay men get a little weepy and over-emotional from time to time, hey, it's no problem. Maybe that's just the way they are. But what's it got to do with the news? I mean, apparently, they were all choked up that the president allegedly used a dirty word to describe some countries that, let's face it, are hellholes. That gives the women and gay men at CNN the sads, because they feel people from these countries should be able to come here to America anytime they want, because their countries are hellholes. But you shouldn't say they're hellholes, because then CNN gets the sads. My question is this, who cares if CNN has the sads? What's that to me? I mean, isn't CNN a news channel? Shouldn't they be covering important issues like the fact that 92% of foreign nationals in our prisons are illegal immigrants and each one of those criminals had one or more victims whose life may have been ruined or even ended by them? Or that illegal immigrants take money out of our medical support systems without having put any money in? Or that they take jobs away from poor Americans? Shouldn't CNN lips be trembling and CNN eyes getting misty over their fellow countrymen who suffer at the hands of illegal immigrants? And another thing, Given that CNN has gotten story after story wrong recently, whether it was saying that Donald Trump Jr. received an email from WikiLeaks on one date when it was really a different date, or saying that members of the Trump team had ties to a Russian investment fund when they didn't, or calling Jim Acosta a White House reporter when he's obviously just a buffoon, shouldn't they triple-check their sources on these stories before they burst into tears about them? The point is, you could be forgiven for feeling that the people at CNN aren't really all that upset about Donald Trump using a dirty word, that they're just trying to manipulate our emotions so we'll support Democrat policies that make our country worse instead of Trump policies that are actually making our country better. So here's my suggestion. How about from now on on CNN, they just report the facts, and if any of their reporters, whether they're female or homosexual or Chris Cuomo, if any of them get teary-eyed, they can walk off camera and collect themselves and then come back on and continue to, to describe how Donald Trump's immigration reforms are better than Obama letting wave upon wave of illegals and refugees into our country unvetted. Then they can go off screen and cry some more. Or just go home, because no one's watching them anyway. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, tipsy-topsy, world is zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray.
We're back. I hope you didn't have a bad Clavenless weekend. I hope you were listening to Another Kingdom. That's why it's there, to stave off the Clavenless weekend. Go on iTunes. We need you. We need your subscriptions. We need your five-star uh, ratings. They help us to resell this in other ways and, and to bring you a second season, because this is only the first season of the story, and it comes to an end next Friday. is our last episode, so please go on and do that. I tell you, if you thought you had a Clavenless weekend in Hawaii, <laughs> they had, you know, I worry about this, because, you know, there's all this terrible stuff happening in Montecito, where I used to live. And I keep getting these messages on my phone to evacuate, you know, get out of, get out of my house. And I think, but I'm not there. So does that mean like if there's a mudslide in my house in LA that it'll be like, everything's fine. You know? <laughs> so, so in Hawaii, some guy pressed the button that said there was a nuclear launch. And I guess since they're so close to North Korea, that wasn't funny. And for about 30 minutes, people were hiding their children in sewers. <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh. It's terrible. But at the same time, they didn't fire the guy who pressed the button. They just reassigned him because they said, hey, you know, anyone, <laughs> anyone can make a mistake. But I mean, if it's a button that says there's a nuclear war coming, shouldn't it be like a big red button, like with a glass dome over it, and you have to put a key in and then press a button, and then it scans your eye, you know, and then finally the thing opens up and you can press it. It's just like a button that's sitting there. Oops, you know, I meant to press to press the one that opens the door to the bathroom, but I set off a nuclear explosion, you know? You know it's just just insane. So that was a that was a true, a true Clavenless weekend uh, in Hawaii. Hawaii, you know... Speak and speaking of watches, if you <laughs> like a nice watch like the one I've got here, you want to go to Movement, it, which is spelled, of course, M V M T, because how else would you spell Movement? Where are all those vowels? Where there's so, it's like you know in the ocean, there's a place where all the plastic collects. Somewhere on the internet, there's a place where all the millennial vowels have gone. I but, think your last name's yeah. up. <laughs> but movement, it's MVMT is movement. And the money they save on vowels, they put into selling you excellent watches at a good price. They're very beautiful watches. If you went into a store, it might cost you 400, 500 bucks. But these start, movement watches start at just $95. They figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price. It's got a classic mod design. You can see it. People notice it. It's really, it really is beautiful. Beautiful. They've already sold over a million watches in over 160 countries. And you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash Andrew. Let me spell that for you because otherwise I don't know how you could figure this out. M-V-M-T dot com slash Andrew. You can spell Andrew. Put the vowels in Andrew. This watch has a clean design. I, I'm I really, I really do like it. It works really well. Now is the time to step up your watch game. Go to movement.com slash Andrew, M-V-M-T dot com slash Andrew, and join the movement. the movement. Join the movement. All right, Michael Knowles is going to be with us later on. We're going to talk about all these scandals. I have got to talk about this whole thing with Donald Trump and his his potty mouth. I wrote a story in City Journal, uh, an article in City Journal. It's been getting a lot of press. Uh, you can go on and, and look on it. Go to cityjournal.org, I think it is. One of the best magazines in the country, no question about it. And you can get almost everything they have online, even though you should subscribe, but you can get everything they have online. And uh, take a look at this article because I am, I am really, I really feel, I'm, I'm a polite person. I don't go around and say to people, oh, your country's a hellhole or whatever. And, and, and sometimes Donald Trump offends me with his impoliteness. But I think that weirdly, even maybe even in spite of himself, he's doing God's work. And I will explain to you what I mean. 
the culture, the right is really bad about understanding the culture. If you watch Paul Ryan, he thinks if he stands up in front of a chart with a stick, you know, people go, ah, I see when you cut taxes, then businesses get more money, there are more jobs and profits and everybody's boat, all ships are lifted. That's not what happens. What the left does is it simply creates a web of silence through using our good manners. And because we are people with good manners, we don't like to feel that people are offended by what we say. We don't like to feel that people are uh, hurt, or their feelings are hurt. We're nice people, right? All of us, most of us, most people are nice people. They don't want to, and this entraps us when they establish what is nice, when they have the power through Hollywood, through the news media, through ac the academy, they have the power to establish what the manners are, right? So Donald Trump is in a meeting, he's talking with Democrats and Republicans, and he says in an offhanded way, why do we have people coming in from all these hell holes of countries? And he doesn't use the word hell hole. On, on CNN, they've been repeating the curse word over and over again, even though they never did that to Obama, who also cursed behind the scenes, as all men tend to do. They curse in closed door meetings. So Trump cursed. So the CNN is repeating this over and over again. Why do, so you know what the word is. I don't have to repeat it. You know, why are we letting in all these people from hell holes? Why don't we have people from Norway? Now, the thing is, we do not know this happened. Dick Durbin said it. Dick Durbin lies. Dick Durbin, you know, and also what kind of a weasel, a little tattletale weasel goes running to the president. Oh, the president cursed. The president cursed. So here, so here is the press. And remember, the press is just the information arm of the Democrat Party. That's all it is. They, they, they are not journalists. They're not the First Amendment made flesh. They are the information arm of the Democrat Party. That's who there is. There's not one managing person at any network. I would almost bet all my money on it. There's not one who decides which stories go on the news who voted for Donald Trump. Not one. That means they're all Democrats. They're all on one side. And you only have to follow them to see what it is. But let's take a look at the way the media, the, the balanced, you know, uh, restrained way the media reacted to this remark made behind closed doors in a meeting. So this is, um, yeah, number nine. The president is a white supremacist. Uh, we heard in Charlottesville our president is a terrorist sympathizer, and our president is a clear and present danger to non-white people in America. If you are working inside the White House and your goal is to try to prove that this is a rational, sane president, that this is not a president who's lost his step mentally, if this is not a president in the early stages of dementia, uh, that, that, that can't control some of the things that, that he blurts out of his mouth. Wow. Sir, they're not whole countries. For one, Donald Trump isn't their president. And now if we take this additional, very clear racist thing, he's an evil man. You know, we don't talk about that a lot. We talk about he's insane and he's crazy and he's just, that's evil. I mean, I'm not surprised at all, to be honest with you. A lot of this has been rooted in white supremacy and racism since the very beginning. Because we now know that we have in the White House someone who could lead the Ku Klux Klan in the United States of America. Somebody who could be the leader of the neo-Nazi. And so if you don't think this stuff is powerful, OK, and I've, I've compared 
I frequently compare Donald Trump to Randall Patrick McMurphy, who comes into this insane asylum where the rules seem to be of benefit to all, and Nurse uh, Ratchet seems to be the mother of everybody, and she's taking care of everybody, but it really is creates a mental prison. And because Randall Patrick McMurphy in the novel and in the Jack Nicholson film, because he's a loudmouth, because he's a thug, because he's not a nice guy, he breaks that mental prison. He breaks through that mental prison. And I think Donald Trump does that, whether we agree with what he said or not. But if you don't think this thing is powerful, I just, I, I have, I know I've used this example before, but it really is important because it's happening all over Europe. Between, I think it was 1997, I'm talking off the top of my head, but it's 1997 to 2013, somewhere in there, the early 2000s. At a, at a conservative estimate, a conservative estimate, 1,400 little girls were raped by Pakistani Muslim immigrants in England in a city called Rotherham. They were, and they were raped and they were bred to rape and they were enslaved, essentially. And they were going, they were complaining to the police and they were complaining to the council and everybody knew it was happening. These are little gir girls as young as 11 years old being raped by these monsters. And nobody wanted to say anything because nobody wanted to be called racist because it's as much as your career is worth to be called racist. And it's also just, it's uncomfortable. It's a horrible thing to say about anybody. We've all gotten, we've all got it. We got it. Racism is bad. So nobody wants to be tarred with that brush. Nobody wants to be called these names, right? And so that's how powerful this is. And the problem that we have, the problem that we have is every time somebody says something that the left doesn't like, just facts, you know, that black people commit proportionately more crime, that Muslims commit most of the terrorism in the world, that women and men are different. And maybe that's why that accounts for the disparities in their careers and their pay. Maybe women don't need actually care about careers the way men care about careers. Maybe they shouldn't care about careers. Maybe they have something more important to do than a career. You know, anytime you say this, you're accused of some form of bigotry and you can't say anything. And the thing is, once you get accused, you start to argue on their terms. And this is how they win. Okay. This is the, the point that I'm trying to get to is the minute they make the accusation, you have to say, well, it's not racist because of this. It's not racist because of that. This is more racist. That's more racist. Instead of saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I reject the entire terms of the argument. In, in Trump's case, let's just take Trump's case for a minute. He, it, let's pretend that he said what he said. We don't even know that he said it, but there's some confirmation. We're just not sure. But let's pretend he said it. I'll, I'll, I'll pretend. Let's say he says Haiti and African countries are hellholes. And why don't we have more people from Norway? The leftist contention is that is inherently racist because the people in Haiti and African countries are black and the people in Norway are white. Okay, now I get attacked from the left and the right on this. Okay, the right wing, because I, I don't believe in racism. I believe racism is a scam. I believe racism, I, I believe the theory of racism is wrong in and of itself. Okay, no. They are saying that because the people in Norway are white and their country is nicer than Haiti, it obviously is, and because the people in Haiti are black and the country is a hellhole, which it obviously is, that this is a racist statement. Now, there's only two possibilities here. One is that race matters. One is that the race you are born with, the way you look, matters. And in, if that is true, then we have the right to defend our race in a tribal way uh, to, to be supremacists. Whether you're black or brown or Asian or white, whatever you are, you have the right. If, if race is what matters about us, if race is the thing that we care about about each other, then we have the right to fight for our race. And when the white supremacists, the Nazis come out and they say, you know, well, we're going to fight for our race, that... If if racism matters, if racism is true in any way, then they they have a perfectly valid 
uh, point of view. That's why they keep attacking me. That's why the Nazis keep writing me and saying they put my name in parentheses as their way of calling Isn't that their way of calling you a Jew? It's like, you know, I mean, I can't even respond to that because I don't use the kind of language that we're, ta we're talking about. But that's the way the right attacks me. But the left does it too, right? They say, well, because Haiti is black and because Norway is white, to say Haiti is a nicer country, uh, to say Norway is a nicer country than Haiti, which it obviously is, is inherently racist. The other way of looking at this is that race doesn't matter at all, at all. And this is, to me, the only, if you are a believer in the Bible, and I am a believer in the Bible, this is the only possible way to look at it. The Bible says that man is created in God's image, and it doesn't just say, it doesn't say man like male, it says man and woman, right? Man and women, men and women are created in God's image. If you don't like the way somebody is made, it's not what somebody has become, not what they've made of themselves, not what the world has turned them into, but if you don't like the way somebody is made, then you are insulting the image of God. Good luck to you, just don't stand too close to me because when the lightning hits, I wanna be in the next block, okay? That's fine, but that's, that is where I stand. Where I stand is that, look, you know, and what people keep sending me, these right-wingers, fascists keep sending me, is they keep sending me stuff saying, well, look at IQ levels and look at this country and look at that country. Look, I'm not a scientist and neither are you. I mean, <laughs> just compiling, but we don't even know how long it, change, it takes to change the IQ of people. I suspect there's probably one generation, one generation. What we are talking about is we're talking about ideas, right? When I talk about Islam, I don't care whether the person who believes in Islam is Cat Stevens or Muhammad Muhammad. I don't care. I think the ideas in Islam are not right. I think they are incorrect ideas about God. I think they are incorrect ideas about revelation. I think they're incorrect ideas about women. I think their ideas are wrong. So when I attack Islam, and I don't attack Islam when I criticize Islam, I'm not criticizing the, the race of the people. I'm criticizing the ideas. When I look at Haiti, I'm looking at corruption. I'm looking at some of it, by the way, by perfectly white people like Bill Clinton. You know, the, the, I'm looking at corruption. I'm looking at bad governance. I'm looking at bad ideas. When I look at Britain, for instance, during the Victorian age, I can safely say that the ideas of the British in the Victorian age were better than the ideas of people in Haiti governing Haiti today. I can say that because I can look at the result. When I look at Islam, I don't have to tell you about the fact that I don't have to say, oh, there are plenty of nice Islamic people. Of course, there are. But when I look at places where Islam rules, the countries are worse than other countries. You know, that there they're more unequal, they're more violent, they're more impoverished. There's something about this that is not that doesn't bring the human dignity that Christianity brings. And so if we're arguing about ideas, and it's hard to do this, then what are the people who point to race trying to do? They're trying to keep from talking about ideas. They're trying to stop you from talking about ideas. Why? Why are leftists trying to talk to keep you from talking about ideas. And why is it only leftists? Well, I'll get to that. That's the next thing I want to talk about. It's only leftists who try to silence people. And this is the important thing. But first, first, let's talk about Skillshare because it's a new year. You probably made some resolutions. There are things you want to do, new things you want to take up. And Skillshare is a way that you can learn new skills online. It is a, it's a collection of lessons, essentially, video lessons, over 18,000 classes in things like design, business, technology, photography, all kinds of things. I looked up, I, I've told you, I went in to test it out. I looked up the ones about writing. I thought, this is good advice. I wish I'd had this advice when I was starting out and instead of having to invent the wheel myself. And I've looked at other things like how to do a podcast when I did another kingdom. Kingdom, and I've looked at marketing because I'm not a very good marketing guy. And these are 
uh, videos by experts in their field who essentially will teach you a class. And the, the deal that's on now is really good. It's just in time for the new year. Skillshare is offering The Andrew Clavin Show a limited time offer of three months of Skillshare for just 99 cents, which as Austin was pointing out to me is actually better. It didn't occur to me because I can't do math. It didn't occur to me that it's better than what they're offering before, which was one month for free. This is three months for just 99 cents, which is, let's face it, essentially free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Andrew99, Andrew99, and please go on and do these things with the the uh, uh, code because that tells them that we sent you and it helps us to keep our sponsors, which we need. Go to Skillshare.com slash Andrew99 and you'll get three months of Skillshare for only 99 cents, over 18,000 classes in all kinds of different skills that you can develop. It's a special New Year's offer. You can start learning today for only 99 cents at Skillshare.com slash Andrew99. Let us just for a minute think about the fact that only the left, only the left shuts down ideas. No, you cannot name an important person on the right who wants to silence left wingers. It is only they who shout racist. It's only they who Twitter, Twitter is shadow banning conservatives. It ain't shadow banning liberals. Why is that? Why is that? Why don't they shadow ban liberals? Only conservatives. Google is now being sued by Dennis Prager, an honest man, if ever there was one, is suing them because on YouTube they demonetize his uh, Prager University videos that are the most rational, straightforward explanation of conservative ideas. They did it to Knowles the other day. Knowles did a, a video. They demonetized that. Why? Why are they doing it? Why did they have to fire James Damore when he said, hey, you know what? Women may have different sensibilities and different desires and different capabilities and may not be as good at tech or uh, as, as committed to tech as men are. They had to fire him. Why? Why do they silence ideas and we don't? You know, Ben goes and gives a speech. Rioters show up, you know, five foot nine Ben Shapiro shows up and they show up with clubs. You know, Charles Murray, another, I mean, these are guys who, these are intellectual guys of goodwill. Uh, Christina Hoff Summers, they meet violence when they go to campuses. Why? Why? It's because they their ideas are wrong and they have to keep them in place because they benefit from them. They get power, they get power and they get money from them. So they benefit from them. Their idea, they keep their ideas in place by this incredible, elaborate system of manners where it is impolite to speak the truth. It is so impolite to speak the truth that in England and other countries in Europe, they allowed little children to be raped. The police, and we know what the police are like, they hate this stuff, they hate crime, they allowed it to go on because they were so afraid of violating this system of manners. And so when Donald Trump comes along, who's a rude guy, he's not a, he's a bore, you know, he's a guy who comes out of Queens with his business, he sits around on construction sites and he talks to people in the way that he talks. When he does that, you know, a guy like me, who's kind of courtly and kind of good, has good manners, may may recoil. But that's what it sometimes takes to break the chains, the mental chains. That's what it takes to put Nurse Ratched in her place. And when I say Nurse Ratched, I mean the New York Times. I mean CNN with all those weepy little guys. What the what the hell are they weeping about? Why is that news to watch those guys' lips tremble? It's just to make you feel an emotion about one thing, but not about another. A little Syrian boy dies in the sand. It's heartbreaking, but it's no more heartbreaking than Planned Parenthood ripping children out of their mother's wombs and selling the body parts. That's also heartbreaking. Why aren't CNN's lips trembling about that? It is 
all emotional manipulation. And because Trump is kind of a bore and because he's kind of a blockhead, he breaks through that. And that is a good, he's doing God's work. You know, I was just talking backstage to uh, Knowles and Jay Hay, and I was saying, you know, I had just finished rereading the biblical story of David and what a terrible guy he was. He was a warlord, you know, what a rough tum and tumble murdering, you know, slaughtering guy he was. But that's what it took to get the job done. Trump is not that. He's just a little bit rude, but this is what it takes to get the job done and turn back the tide of government overreach. And we're going to talk to Knowles about that in just a minute. But first, first, turn on your question generators, because tomorrow, January 16th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, we'll be doing our fifth episode of The Conversation. Who will be on it? I don't know. Oh, it's me. I'll be on it. And me and the lovely Alicia Krauss will be on it. And not only will all of life mysteries be answered with 100% accuracy, but you'll also have a special edition of The Conversation to cling to during the long, cold, clavenless weekends because another kingdom is coming to an end and this is all you'll have left. It's going to be so sad. So The Conversation will stream live on the Daily Wire Facebook page and the Daily Wire YouTube channel, and it's free. Anyone can watch and anybody can uh, can hear the wisdom that I will be doling out, but only subscribers get to ask the questions. So here's what you do. You subscribe to thedailywire.com, then as a subscriber, you log into the website, dailywire.com, you can watch the live stream and head over to the conversation page. And after that, just start typing into the Daily Wire chat box where we'll pull live questions as they come in. And once again, subscribe to get your questions answered by me. Guaranteed 100% correct. Will change your life on occasion for the better. This is tomorrow, January 16th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Join the conversation. Michael Knowles is coming on in just a moment, but we got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. You can come on over to thedailywire.com, listen to the rest. If you subscribe, not only can you be in the conversation, the mailbag, I mean, your whole life will be solved for just a lousy 10 bucks a month. You know, I'm not supposed to say this. You're supposed to say $9.99. I'm just assuming you're smart enough to understand that $9.99 is actually 10 bucks. But for a lousy $99.99, you get the entire year and you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. And there is no getting around that the Leftist Tears Tumblr is absolutely essential gear if you want to drink Leftist Tears. And who doesn't? They're just so good. Come on over to thedailywire.com. We'll be talking to Knowles. All right. Have we got Knowles? Bring him on. There he is. Hey. Nice shirt. James. Oh, this whole thing? Yeah, they're so much on. they're so much nicer to you than they are to me. They, you know, they won't even give me a shirt. They just give me a jacket to cover up my t-shirt. Like, I gotta say, this shirt is actually just a product of uh, my poker winnings from Saturday <laughs> night. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about those poker winnings. Uh, some some of those on Twitter and uh, Instagram may have seen Drew and I played poker on Saturday night. He brought over a bottle of wine that said, "You can't coexist with people who want to kill you." <laughs> we had a nice time. We had a few drinks. But I, I cleaned house, I'm very proud you, to say. You did. You know, I have to say, and I'm not making excuses here, but it's, it really is true. I wrote that piece for City Journal, and I, I was exhausted because I also wrote, was writing, I'm putting together the book of Another Kingdom, and I did that. And I came over and I thought, you know, it's so nice to just sit with friends and just have a couple of glasses of wine. Oh, you took all my money. Wait a second. I was, I was relaxing. You were a shark. You were, you were, and you played brilliantly, and you pulled four sixes. I mean, you, it's I not have... like you beat me with like a bluff. You four sixes are pretty good, pretty good hand. All right, you bum. Uh, so, but... <laughs> it is, you know, speaking of Another Kingdom, by the way. Yes. Uh, the that 
episode 12 is out, which means there's only one more left. One more left. I know. We're done. We're done. And then it's... my Hollywood career is over. So you've got to go. <laughs> if you ever want to catch any of it, you've got to go check out Another Kingdom. You know, I am pitching this again. It's already been turned down by people who have declared themselves part of the resistance. I am. They did. They did. <laughs> After the Golden Globes, the people I pitched it to said we're part of the resistance. So I, like, I thought, what chance did I ever have? I'm, I'm going to pitch this again. So I hope people will show up because it makes such a difference because I can turn in the room. I can turn to the page. They're almost like 1,700 five star reviews now, five star ratings. And it makes such a big difference in a pitch because it shows them that it already works. It's really helpful. It is yeah. really helpful when people go over there. I said it on my show on Thursday, nothing would please me more in the new year than to shove a fork right in Hollywood's eye. <laughs> so if you go over there, it'd be really helpful. It's, it's funny because it's not that conservative, but it is, it's just enough to make them real in their seats. So. It's just not leftist. Yeah. It's just not That's ideologically it. on it. the left. Yeah. So that makes it, and by the way, I can't, speaking of, I can't believe that you're defending Joseph Stalin, our partner Stalin in the White House. I think, I think we should leave Trump out as the middleman and just go right to defending Joseph Stalin, a communist killed 20 million people, you know, what? Well, yeah, starved 20 million people to death. And that's kind of like Donald Trump, who's kind of rude, right? This is Flake's law. Any uh, anti-Trump conservative, if given enough time, will ultimately compare him to the murderous <laughs> Soviet dictator. I mean, they've been doing this since he took office. They're so, because he can't be constrained by their system of manners, mm -hmm. they have to destroy him and they just throw fake scandal after fake scandal. I loved your piece. I really loved your City Journal piece. And uh, it, w it was occurring to me, I thought, you know, the government is shrinking. Uh, the government is getting more free I, I'm getting more free. I get to keep more of my tax money. We're on better footing on foreign policy. Why do I care about all these things? So I, right. I compiled a list. I found uh, 17 major scandals. These are, and these are according to all of the mainstream papers, according to Wikipedia, according to all of the uh, compilations. These are the biggest scandals from the Trump presidency. 17 of them. So there are 17 of them. Okay. You judge for yourself right. if this is sufficient reason to imperil our freedom agenda. So the first one, obviously, there's the big Russia collusion, which Dianne Feinstein said there's no evidence of, and Van Jones called a nothing burger. Right. That's the big one. Then uh, on just, uh, January 27th, President Trump expanded Obama-era travel restrictions from countries such as Iran, Iraq, and Libya and Syria. On January 30th, President Trump fired an Obama-era holdover deputy attorney general for refusing to do her job. On February 2nd... This is a scandal. They, these are the big scandals. These took up multiple days yeah. of headlines. Th these are big enough that in on CNN and the New York Times and Wikipedia, all left-wing outlets, yeah. th they consider these the, the complete list of scandals. Uh, on February 2nd, Kellyanne Conway uh, referred to the arrest of two Iraqi terrorists as a massacre, even though it wasn't a massacre, it was an arrest of terrorists. On February 12th, <laughs> Jeff Sessions uh, fired uh, some Obama-era U.S. attorneys, totally in keeping with transition tradition. Right. On March 4th, uh, Donald Trump tweeted that Barack Obama surveilled his staff during the 2016 campaign, and then CNN later admitted that they had indeed done just that, but for some reason that was a big scandal. Uh, on May 9th, President Trump fired uh, James Comey. This was, this was the big one. And Democrat uh, Chuck Schumer, the, the Senate minority leader, uh, announced months earlier, I do not have confidence in Comey any longer. 
But, <laughs> but, but apparently this was a big scandal. Everyone and, on both parties wanted him and fire, he serves, but And he serves at the president's pleasure, right? I mean, he has absolute right to fire him. He serves at the president's pleasure, and everybody in the government wanted him fired, including Gone. Hillary Clinton, Yes, by the way. sure, because he ruined her career, yeah. So that was the, that's, the, that's the really big one. On June 1st, we withdrew from the Paris Climate Accord, even though everyone agreed it would do nothing to help the environment. On August 15th, uh, President Trump responded to the Charlottesville protest that included white nationalists and Antifa by condemning hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides, later adding racism is evil and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. Finally, he said not all of those people were neo-Nazis because some peaceful non-racist demonstrators simply opposed statue-toppling leftists who wanted to change history. That that is one that is in the top three of the biggest things. He said yep. racism is evil, and these people are antithetical and, to uh, American ideals. And the trick they the trick they use is they make a big fuss about it, and maybe four days later, somebody looks at the transcript and says he didn't say that. But by then, they're already simply referring to it. They're just saying Charlottesville. You know, they're just they just use it as yeah, this is awful remarks. It's, oh yeah, ter terrible, terrible remarks. And you look back and you said, you know, he didn't actually say anything bad there, you know? Said, and it, yeah, there, yeah. If, you, if you look at everything he said, you, you get a clear picture of the situation. But they, they listen, that, that would be for journalists to do. That's not, <laughs> that's not for CNN and the New York Times. Uh, then, oh, these are, these are really bad ones. On August 16th, he disbanded the American Manufacturing Advisory Council. On August 16th, he also disbanded the Strategic and Policy Forum because its members were protesting the administration. Then a couple days later, the Committee on the Arts and the Humanities. How will our government function, by the way, without the President's Committee on the Arts the, and the Humanities? He's killing Big Bird, right? Yeah. Whenever, whenever they go after this, it's always he's killing Big Bird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Trump fired Big Bird. Like Big Bird, and, meanwhile, is smoking a cigar. He's saying, I got the HBO bucks now, buddy. I don't need to my government. I'm out of this government. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a big one. Uh, on August 25th, uh, President Trump pardoned Sheriff Joe Arpaio <laughs> for misdemeanor contempt of court. The injustice. <laughs> Our government's falling apart. On September 29th, HHS Director Tom Price resigned because he used slightly too much money on private jets. On, uh, on October 3rd, uh, President Trump compared Hurricane Maria to Hurricane Katrina, and he was subsequently blamed because the Puerto Rican government squandered all of the relief money. Okay. <laughs> on December 6th, uh, President Trump announced that the U.S. would formally recognize the capital of Israel as the capital of Israel, <laughs> and he wouldn't back down. Now, even. wait, is that is that a scandal? That's listed. Where is that listed as oh, a scandal? Oh, yeah, it's listed on Wikipedia, and then of, and it's the, the controversy is across the mainstream media because you, what you might have forgotten is that a bunch of anti-Semites and the United Nations, but I repeat myself, yeah. condemn the United States for that action. Wow, that's a scandal, huh? Mm -hmm. You know, that's if amazing. I if I forget the O Jerusalem, you know, like it's been the capital of Israel since the Bible days, and that's that's a scandal that he said that? No. I thought it was St. Louis. I thought St. Louis was the capital <laughs> of Israel, but... St. Louis, uh, Jerusalem, I, I can't remember. It's I guess in, it's I'm learning in, history it's, in this administration. <laughs> and then the final one, this one, this was really bad. President Trump, just a few days ago, disbanded the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity because a lot of states wouldn't turn over their electoral information. There you have it. There are all of the scandals, all of the major scandals, according to every mainstream news source and Wikipedia and all of the online uh, watchdogs and fact checkers. Which of those scandals, for which of those scandals, would you imperil the most ruthlessly effective pro-freedom agenda in recent American history? You, you know, it's an excellent point. First of all, as you were listening them, I was listening very carefully. I could hear a couple in there where I might say, oh, well, maybe he made a misstep here, a misstep there. Good. Yeah, yeah, good. whatever. But but the, the atmosphere of scandal that they have managed to create by this, and, and I was talking about this 
this morning you, uh, in my opening, when you turn on CNN, you go on, their lips are trembling and their eyes are filling with tears. And you sit there and go like, what do I care if Allison Camerata is crying? Well, you know, I was like, go home, Allison. You know, if you, can't, if you can't sit and deliver the news and tell us what's happening in the world without crying, there's no crying in news. There's no know? crying That's news. Like, But they've managed to create this crisis atmosphere that something is terribly wrong and nothing's terribly wrong. In fact, things are going quite well. I mean, these are so minor, like, four of those were random White House advisory boards of rich people right. standing. You know. Right. Uh, and compare it to Barack Obama. Compare the, the level of scandal to Barack Obama, who regularly and egregiously lied to the American people, in one case to upend a sixth of the economy, who lied about major terrorist attacks that yep. killed our ambassadors, who lied about gun running across the Mexican border, who lied, it was, it was, to borrow a phrase, an empire of lies in the Obama <laughs> yeah, administration. Yeah, yeah. And, but of course, that, that's scandal-free Obama, no drama Obama. And in the meantime, Donald Trump, just in the first year, has cut the federal bureaucracy massively. HHS by half a percent, even defense by over a percent. Transportation, one and a half percent. Justice, one and a half percent. Energy, two and a half percent. Commerce, three percent. Housing and urban development, three percent. On and on and on, all the way up to Treasury, which has been cut by 7.5 percent. Yeah, under, yeah. Under Barack Obama, Treasury increased because he was using the IRS to spy on, on uh, I mean, conservatives and harass them. It is all about this. It is all about the, the establishing of the power of government, which is the power of the elites, which are these people who are doing this. But it's also about the fact that he undercuts their authority to decree what is racist and what is sexist and what is bad and what is good. I mean, they have taken that authority on themselves. On themselves. That's what all the crying is about, and all the trembling lips. It's like we know through our emotions that a, a dead Syrian child is more important than a dead unborn baby. You know, we right. can we can tell you this because we cry about the Syrian child, but we don't cry about that. And that's how you know what's right and wrong. And it's just Trump shatters all that because he doesn't care. You know, one of the things is Trump said uh, today, yesterday, he said, I'm probably the least racist president you've ever interviewed. I think that there, you know, look, everybody has racism in them and all this stuff. That's what makes this whole thing so bad, this whole technique so evil. But the fact is what he really thinks about is money. He right. thinks about money. He feels, I mean, blacks now have a better employment record than they've had for, I think, 20 years. And that's, and Trump thinks like, what do you want? Everything else is on you. You know, you have a job. Now go make your life. You know, it's just not his job his to make you is, feel good about yourself. Yeah. His statement is probably true because he most likely thinks about race the least of any president I, I think that's in right. recent memory. Yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, I mean, did I hear that some people were actually blaming him for the fact that some bonehead pressed the nuclear warning button in Hawaii? That was Trump's fault somehow? Well, of course that was Trump's fault. Stalin, he has a lot of control over this government. He, th this was amazing. If you missed this news item, everybody was blaming Trump. So uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, was blaming Trump. Uh, and, and and she survived Halloween, so she must know something. Uh, yeah, it's true. She survived yeah. like 10 times, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, she survived a whole lot. I saw like eight, Halloween H20. You know? <laughs> they cut off the guy's head. He still came back for another movie. Yeah, she says, this Hawaii <laughs> missile scare is on you, Mr. Trump. The real fear that you can tell they're serious, by the way, when they randomly capitalize words. Yes, again. yes. And, and, you know they've and their serious it. faces. It's on your yeah. arrogance, your hubris, narcissism, rage, ego, immaturity, and your un stable idiocy. You know, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and be the change. I mean, there's a lot of projection going I mean, on here. Hawaii's a Democrat state, right? I mean, what the, why is this Trump's fault? Of course, Hawaii, there are like three Republicans in all of Hawaii, 
And uh, uh, J Jim Carrey tweeted, he said, uh, I woke up this morning in Hawaii with 10 minutes to live. It was a false alarm. But if we allow this one-man Gomorrah and his corrupt Congress to continue alienating the world, we're heading for suffering beyond all imagination. Oh, my. Well, if Jim Carrey says so, it must be true. That's all I can say. Because these guys, they're pretty good at uh, saying words that other people wrote for them convincingly. <laughs> so I think they can analyze uh, geopolitics. They're a breakdown in evolution, I think, because evolution has made us trust our eyes, and they all look so attractive, and, uh, you know, and they look like they know what they're talking about, but they just don't. I mean, that's that is true. You've got to listen a little bit, too. Yeah, to I know. You've got to listen, too. Uh, what's on the Michael Knowles Show today? The Michael Knowles Show today is about our... Hellhole culture. I won't use. I won't use the word it's on, but it's talking about race and uh, and whether or not Haiti is a very nice place to live or not. And just examining what uh, Donald Trump, how he stacks up to Barack Obama on these questions, what it matters for American freedom and American uh, uh, America as a country and prosperity, and uh, why we can't blame the culture all on President Kofefe. We're, we're mistaking cause and effect here, folks. Michael Knowles, that was a great segment. Really good. I appreciate it. And uh, listen to the show. It's coming on after this. That's right. All right. I'll see you later. And give me back my money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I got to play this one thing before we go into our crappy culture. This this is a report. Where was this report from, uh, Robert? World News or something. World News. This, this is how they make cookies in Haiti. They look a lot like pancakes or cookies. The recipe passed down from generations here in Haiti. Women spend entire days making them. Grandmothers, daughters, and younger girls. Infants are nursed while mothers work the mix. Kids seem to enjoy them, at least when our camera was around. But these patties, known as bonbon terres by the Haitians who eat them, are a grim reminder of just how poor this Caribbean nation is. They aren't sweet, they're hard to swallow, and add almost nothing in terms of nutrition because the cookies are actually made of dirt. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to laugh at that. They're eating cookies made of dirt, <laughs> okay? And this is a country, I, I think Haiti has oil. I think they actually have oil. I think they have a gold mine and all this. You know, it's like, these. this is not a racial question. This is a question of governance. It's a question of corruption. It's a question of ideas. I mean, we've seen in South America, we've seen just like not, you know, in our own hemisphere, we've seen how when you institute socialist ideas, you can turn a thriving economy in one generation, you can turn it into a hellhole. You know, this is what makes the difference. And why do they want, you know, you know, the thing that gets me is it's everything the left does. It's like you celebrate Columbus Day. Oh, the indigenous people, you're racist. You celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh, Oh, the Indians, you're racist. You celebrate Christmas. Ah, Kwanzaa, you're racist. Everything they do is all about destroying this culture that has been one of the most successful cultures in the history of humankind. I'm talking about Western culture, which we, America, are now the last repositories of because Europe is virtually gone, because they opened up their doors to everybody, people who didn't agree with them, people who don't like them, Muslims who don't share their religion. They opened up their doors. Donald Trump is trying not to do that. If he occasionally says things that I don't like, I don't care. It's not a scandal. It's not a big deal. The most important thing are his policies, and his policies so far are working. All right, let's look at our crappy culture.
So today is Martin Luther King's uh, birthday, which we celebrate. And it's always kind of an annoying holiday to me because we've just gotten back from Christmas and the last thing I want is another day off. But it, we don't get a day off, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, but, you know, I do actually believe that Martin Luther King was one of the great men of America and worthy of having a holiday in his name. And uh, sometimes right-wingers like to point out that, oh, you know, he cheated on his wife, which he probably did. He dabbled with uh, socialism and communism, which he probably did. He was not an economic genius. He was not some guy who really knew uh, what the future was. The fact is, though, he was a devout Christian and a Republican most of his life. I mean, he did support Kennedy because Kennedy kind of started, got on the uh, civil rights train. It really, really annoys me to see the left steal this holiday as they do by somehow proclaiming that it's Martin Luther King versus Trump. It's Martin Luther King versus the right. It's Martin Luther King versus the people who believe in America. But let us remember the most important thing, I think, that Martin Luther King said in his some of his brilliant speeches. Two things I will point out, and I won't play the cuts, but I just just to point out these things he said. One is that he called on America to live out the meaning of its creed. In other words, the left constantly is attacking everything about America, our constitution, our declaration, our founding principles, our founding religion. They are constantly attacking all these things as racist, imperialist, uh, you know, evil. And, and, but Martin Luther King did not. He called on us to fulfill the meaning of our creed. The problem with 1950s and 1960s America was not the principles that we were living on, is that we betrayed those principles by cutting out people according to the color of their skin, and we did. We did do that. That was wrong. It was wrong. We know it was wrong because it was against our principles. It's our principles that he was trying to put in place, not the principles of the left, which have been antithetical to everything America stands for. And the second thing he said is that he dreamt of a day when people would be judged by the not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Let that day be this day. All we have to do is stop. We have to stop listening to the left who makes everything about race. We have to start listening to our hearts and our Bible, which tells us that it is all about ideas. It is all about right and wrong. It is all about behavior. It's not about IQ. This worship of IQ is disgusting. It is just a form of racism. It's just another form of racism. Uh, IQ can be changed in a heartbeat. It is only one of the many gifts God gives to human beings. It is absolutely ugly. We can stop judging people by race today if we stop listening to the people crying at CNN. If we stop listening to the left who charges racism at everything, we only talk about which ideas are better, no matter who has them, no matter what color. If they come out of England, great. If they come out of Norway, great. If they come out of Haiti, great. But if they don't, they don't. And we're not going to pretend they do just to make people with different skin colors feel good. Let this be Martin Luther King Day. Let us start judging each other by the content of our character, by our ideas, by our actions, and not at all ever by the color of our skin or by what somebody might have said by accident or anything else. Who's coming on tomorrow, Rob? Owen Benjamin. Oh, comedian Owen Benjamin, who has been banned, I think. He's one of the guys who's been banned, I think, on YouTube. Uh, I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Tomorrow is The Conversation as well. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Be there. We'll talk to you then. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson.
The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2017.